Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parentingpodcast. There is a scripture in the Old Testament book of Psalms, chapter 103, that says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. It's a beautiful declaration of God's heart. Uh, It might be difficult, though, to accept that when you didn't have a father who was there for you, that had a heart for you. If that's you, stay tuned. We have some encouragement for you. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Danny Huerta. He's in charge of the Focus on the Family Parenting and Youth Department. And we're going to return now to a conversation that Jim Daly and I had with Elizabeth Oates. And uh, last time she shared about feeling abandoned by her father after her parents divorced. And she has more of her testimony as she continues. Another story in your book is, you know, so filled with heart-wrenching stories. But the Nutcracker story that, you know, you got a part in a play. Uh You were excited about it. I can feel that same thing. Something positive in your life. As little as that. You know, most people... If they're coming from relatively healthy homes, they think that's no big deal. Mm -hmm. But what happened? Yeah, so I was in the third grade, and the school's putting on a play, and it was only for fourth and fifth graders. But they chose, I think, about, you know, eight to ten little third grade girls to be snowflakes in the Nutcracker. And um, Mm -hmm. I was dying to be on stage and dying to be the center of attention. And I got chosen to be one of these little snowflakes. And just weeks before, um, you know, I remember we were evicted from our apartment, which moving around was nothing unusual. We moved around a lot. And I think that is very epidemic of children raised in single homes or single parent homes. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. And just the financial instability that they experience. And so, you know, essentially we had no place to go. We had no place to live. And so we had to, my brother and I, flew across the country and stayed with my grandmother for about a month while my mom got back on her feet. But I remember having to give up that role in the Nutcracker. And as an eight-year-old little girl, that was so devastating. And like you said, you know, you think about it from an adult's perspective and and you think, it's just a play. It's not a big deal. You know, your mom's trying to find a house and food and, you know, just sustaining your everyday needs. But for an eight-year-old little girl, like you said, that was like the biggest thing to happen to me. And then to have that taken away at that time in my life was pretty devastating. It's uh, interesting to me how you begin to shape your view of marriage. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. so take us into the teen years. What's going on? Are you, I mean, I don't mean this and I don't know this part of your story. Mm -hmm. Are you tame? Are you crazy? Yeah. (laughs) Wild? No, it's a fair question. So many things happen in the teen years for kids who have marginal parental supervision. Sure. So in my teen years, my mom remarried and then she divorced. Remarried in middle school, divorced when I was in high school. So that was second marriage. Second marriage. And, you know, I think I'm very fortunate in the fact that God just did not give me a rebellious spirit. I think also, as I've learned through counseling, you know, I think kids from divorce can go one of two ways. They can either turn to rebellion or what I did was I felt like I had to be the one to hold it all together. So you became responsible. Yes. The very responsible one in the family. I felt like there was enough stress um, going on that if I did anything wrong, that would just compound the stress in the family and that would add to it. And I didn't want to do that. I felt like I had to be the one to hold it all together. Um, again, I think that's part of the way God wired me. And I think that's just the way I was processing everything. Um, I also think 
a coping mechanism that I turned to was to create sort of a perfect world for myself at school where I could thrive. And like you said, I could find that validation and I could be noticed and I could be celebrated. So I turned to a lot of extracurricular activities and things like that where I would receive a lot of affirmation that I wasn't receiving at home. Well, and that's so key. And I think for parents listening right now with teen daughters and teen boys, that's something to watch for. Yeah. How are your children finding affirmation? Yeah, exactly. Because if they're not getting it from you, they will get it somewhere else, right. either positively or negatively. And it's all those good doses. You hear many experts talk about provide 10 affirmations for everyone. Yes. Uh, constructive criticism, right. to say it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, yeah. be, don't be just critical all right. the time. But that seemed to be your case. Now, you came into a relationship with Christ. Let us know about that. You were yeah. 15. 15. So I always tell my mom, this is the best thing she ever did for me. After her second divorce, she decided that we were going to start going to church. And I laugh about it now, but I fully admit I was not happy with this decision. I was not on board. And she said, you know, we're going anyway. And so she took me to this little Baptist church down the street because we lived in a small town at the time. And I wasn't excited about it because I was this overachiever. And I would go to church and I would listen to these Bible stories. I had no idea what they were talking about. They would say, you know, turn to first Corinthians. I had no idea where that book of the Bible was. There's first, there's second. Is there a fourth Corinthians? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And so I just felt very behind and I did not like that. I was used to being the straight A student, the one with all the answers. And then you throw me into a church setting where I know nothing. And that was very uncomfortable for me. I also felt like youth group was a little cheesy. I felt like at the time I had seen real life. I had experienced more than these kids. And I felt like y'all don't know. You don't know what I've seen. You don't know how real life works. And this is all child's play. So I did not have the best attitude. I fully admit that now. But my mom just was very... Um, persistent and just said, you know, you don't have to go on Sunday nights. You don't have to go on Wednesday nights, but we're going to go on Sunday mornings. And I'm so grateful for that now. And I try to encourage other parents with that of just be consistent, you know, pray for them. How did that break though? I mean, that attitude, (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the golden nugget of the story. I mean, how did you overcome that? And where did you decide, okay, I can embrace this. How long did that take? Good question. Um, it probably took a good six months for my heart to soften. I would just show up. I would listen in Sunday school. I didn't have a lot to offer because I didn't know. I still remember one of my friend's parents were my Sunday school teachers, and they were so patient with me, and they just loved me. You know, they didn't expect anything from mm-hmm. me. They just loved on me. They um, would let me just sit there. They didn't call me out on anything. And then in church, I would sit there and listen every Sunday. And I will say, you know, that church, it's the first time that I heard the gospel presented consistently on a weekly basis. And I think at the time I was so lonely. And I think that's what Jesus brought to the table for me was everybody has left you. You have felt so abandoned and so alone, but I'm here and I will never leave you. And I think that's what drew me in to a relationship with him. Well, there's redemption, uh, even in the midst of the darkest days and the deepest pain. And Elizabeth has certainly shared how God used others to draw her to himself. And uh, there are some, uh, Danny, listening who might have a child who is kind of far from God, um, like Elizabeth was when she was a teen. How do you advise parents when they're worried? They're up at night, they're praying, and they're just concerned about the soul of their child. Yeah, there have been many parents that I've talked to about this, and 
something I've used in the past is this quote that I ran across a while back. It's, faith is the vision of the heart. It sees God in the dark as well as in the day. Sometimes we, we feel that maybe God is absent in, in not really pursuing our teenager or that there isn't really hope there. And there are many stories of teenagers stepping away from the faith and then coming back. I remember when I was a teenager, 15, 16 years old, I began to, to really doubt, is this really real? I grew up in a Christian home, and I started to make decisions that were opposite of what my parents had taught us. I began to pursue more of the, the relationships with girls and dating and sports and didn't really want to go to church much. I went because I had to. And, hey, there was a cute girl there, so I'm going to go. It was disconnected, and I knew my mom faithfully prayed for me. I could hear her in the other room praying with my dad. And then she would walk into my room sometimes while I was sleeping. And I saw her one night just praying in my room. Hmm. I was a little freaked out, actually, John. In the middle of the night <laughs> well, when I yeah, saw her. Well, yeah, if you her, wake up and your mom is standing <laughs> was, over you, it's yeah. like, whoa. She was praying. But then I knew, man, my mom's praying. She believes this wholeheartedly. And yeah. when my grandfather died, uh, who was, he was a pillar of spiritual faith. I've talked about him before here. My mom's dad. Uh, as he went into heaven, his death was very impactful to me. God reached out to me. And there have been other points in my life where I've seen God reach out to me. What you want to teach your kids is the sensitivity of the heart to just observe what's happening in life. So ask them questions. If they're far from God, ask them questions that help them process life and not just live life. Think about what's happening. Why did that happen? What just happened to you? Hmm. Hey, you were doing this. Maybe there was an injury and they were healed faster. Why do you think that happened? What happened there? Help them Pause and think about life, because sometimes they'll discover the miracle of God and the pursuit of God in those moments of processing, and you're just asking questions along the way. Pray for them faithfully. Pursue your own relationship with God. Ask questions. Oh, that's good. And um, if you're in a place where you need someone to talk to, maybe this discussion about God and being real is challenging you, and you have questions call us, or maybe you've got a, a wayward child for the moment. I always say the story's never over. But yeah, be if patient. You, yeah, if you need encouragement, call us. We can connect you with one of our counselors. We have great resources. Uh, we're a phone call away, 800, the letter A, and the word family. And uh, remember that when you make a donation of any amount today to the Ministry of Focus on the Family, it makes counselors, like I just mentioned, available for those in need. And it allows us to create great resources and have great resources to send out. We'll say thank you for your generosity to the ministry here by sending a copy of Elizabeth's book, Mending Broken Branches. It's really encouraging. And uh, you can check the show notes to get a copy. If I may, let me ask you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, Your feedback helps us reach more listeners with the help that we have to offer. So, Uh, Thank you for doing that in advance. Well, on behalf of Dr. Danny Huerta and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. Mm